The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday show of the Work-Life Balance. This is Rick Morris. Uh, Certainly happy to have everyone on, uh, no matter where you are in the country. Here in the United States, we're having uh, snowmageddon. Uh, So we can see it's snowing quite a bit here outside my window. So hopefully uh, a lot of you are tuning in, uh, staying warm and uh, and listening. Uh, We're on in 81 countries around the world and super excited today to have a gentleman on the phone by the name of Paul Pedrazzi. Um, I had the uh, chance to meet Paul in Las Vegas uh, and had a chance to uh, uh, get to hear him uh, uh, firsthand in in some of the stuff that he's doing. We're going to be talking about that uh, uh, all today. as, as we get through, we're going to talk work-life balance. We're going to talk about some of the things that he's done uh, in his prior career and some of the things he's doing specifically around CAPPM. Uh, so you guys know me well enough by now. I'd love to just jump right in and always bring my guests in so that they're not sitting on the phone forever. So let me welcome in Paul. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Work-Life Balance. Thanks, Rick. Super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit to the uh, listeners, and then I'll jump in and tell them why I'm so excited to have you on. Absolutely, no problem. So, uh, Paul Pedrazzi, I've been in the software space now for over a couple decades, and mainly I've been running product management teams. So, product management, for those who may not know, is really the art and science of figuring out what you need to build next, uh, what customers will want, hopefully, uh, before they want it, but right at the time when, which, when they see it, they actually are excited about it and, and willing to consume it. Um, so really focused on building products that matter, products that make a difference uh, in the software space, also uh, enterprise and a little bit of consumer. So worked at companies like PeopleSoft, which was well-known for their HR software. Many of those folks over at Workday now uh, spent some time at Oracle. was actually acquired twice uh, by Oracle, once when at PeopleSoft and the second time at Taleo. Taleo was a talent management software vendor. Uh, that was acquired, uh, I believe it was $1.9 billion, I believe, although I'm, don't quote me on that number, but ended up going to Oracle for a few years. At Oracle, uh, started to do more innovation work, uh, one of those buzzwords that uh, I don't like much, but really what we were doing was trying to push the envelope of technology in, in very early in the days of uh, more communities and social software. So a lot of what we're, we're very familiar with today around consumer interfaces that have news feeds like Facebook championed a following model that Twitter uh, really got going and got started, as well as all the community software like Stack Exchange, uh, taking some of those concepts and trying to apply them uh, to business problems. And so started doing that early on, and then since then I've really just continued to run product and design teams over the years. Most recently, I'm at CA, and uh, there's two major areas that I work on. One is the PPM space 
for CA, the product and portfolio management, um, the project and portfolio management, and then on the uh, service management side. So both of those really working through uh, how we take those products to the next level. They've done a great job in market, but we really wanted to do more. And so I'm sure we'll touch on today uh, some of that work that happened. And uh, I guess the last thing I'll mention is in the meantime, in the middle of, of those uh, jobs, I ended up starting a children's lunchbox company with my wife. And we ended up going on Shark Tank and got funded on that TV show. And, and that was a fun experience too. So um, uh, hopefully that helps, Rick, give your audience a little sense of my background. And that was a great teaser. So, you know, we certainly want them to hang on for the whole hour because I want to cover all of that, Paul. And I don't know how we're going to, but we're going to cover all of that. I want to hear the UBO experience. I want, we're certainly going to talk about what you're doing with CAPPM. Uh, and then what a great time to be in the software industry. You know, I spoke at a high school this, uh, this past week and, you know, we're explaining to them, if you're not in the software industry, if your business is not doing anything with software, then it's really not going to be around. And, you know, one of the great things that we always quote is, you know, Nike has more software developers than Microsoft does now. And that's, that's amazing to me. But, uh, you know, software is where it's at. And, you know, I looked at this group of students and I said, you know, one of these students is going to design the next great app, you know, as we talk about digital disruption and everything that's going on. It's a fantastic time to be in software. Yeah, you know, I, I love that point because I'm reading a fascinating book right now called The Innovators that Walter Isaacson wrote. And Walter Isaacson, if you don't know, he wrote the, or yeah, he wrote the um, Steve Jobs, um, I, guess, I guess it was a biography, uh, also a fascinating book. But he had started this book called The Innovators beforehand, and he had spent a few years on it. And then when Steve Jobs asked him to, to write his memoirs effectively, he, he put that on the shelf did the Steve Jobs book and then brought it back, uh, you know, after his uh, his passing. And I just read it recently, and it's a history of the computer industry all the way back from you know, the early days when people would just think about building computers. They didn't have any of the technology or know-how. And one of the fascinating things that touches on what you're saying is, early in the in the computer revolution, it was really all about the hardware. And that was the tough thing, the material science to it, how you actually stored data and stored procedures. Uh, even coming up with those concepts early on was tough. In fact, part of the reason why women have such a prominent role in the history of technology, and particularly computers, is because that software has emerged to be so important. And interestingly, in the early days of computers, the, the people running these labs, typically male, uh, were really hardware folks, and they didn't think software was that important. They didn't think about the programming of it, and so they had women at the time do it. And it's been great because women actually, people like Grace Hopper and Ada Lovelace and others, have really made this industry what it is, and they're the unsung heroes of it. Um, and we only see that now more in spades, where software is really, you know, to quote Mark Andreessen's famous article in the Wall Street Journal, it's eating the world, and every business is a software business. And at CA, we think about that quite a bit. You know, what was interesting, I, I, I did just watch the, the latest Steve Jobs movie that came out and, and you know, love Aaron Sorkin, what he does with all that stuff. And, and they, they showed this clip, and I'm not sure who it was, but the, this old, old, old clip in talking about how the computer was going to revolutionize, you know, the world. And it was so foretelling. And then as I watched this movie, I also saw all of the, you know, how the buzz, there was this buzz in the air every time Steve Jobs came into the room and every time he was announcing the great big thing. And, and you know, I'd longed to be a part of one of those announcements. And so then I go to Vegas this year and, you know, I've been to CA World many times and I'd love CAPPM and, and in fact was a user since eniq 2.0. And so uh, I think it's the best on the market. I'm certified in all the platforms and it's, it is one of the best tools, but we always lag behind, 
in, in terms of user interface. And so then there's this guy that I've never met by the name of Paul Pedrazzi who jumps on stage and starts talking. And the first thing he says at, at first kind of puts me off a little bit because he says, you know, when I, when I come on, um, you know, I didn't want to talk to the customers and I didn't want to talk to the users and I didn't want to get this long laundry list of all the problems with the UI. And I was like, well, I've got a long list for you, pal. I can tell you. <laughs> but uh, then, uh, you know, you bring this wireframe out and start this announcement. And for the first time, I felt like I got a chance to experience and hear this buzz at, at a show that I've never seen before. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what that process was like? Because I can tell you, when we were done after your presentation at CA World, I've never seen buzz around a product like that ever as far as being a part of it, seeing it, and, and watching people just be so excited to, to go and see and touch something after an announcement. No, Rick, you're, you're way too kind, um, but it was, it was a very fun event. We had, a, we had a great time there, and you know, I'll tell you, when we were walking through that, the new vision for CAPPM, and as I remember that first screen going up, and there was probably about 600 people in the crowd. If you haven't been to CA World, the way they do is actually really cool. They don't take the, the keynote sessions, if you will, and shove them off into ballrooms in different corners. They actually have them on the show floor. And the way the show floor is set up, you have these areas, these theaters, if you will, where people can sit and then there's room to stand around. And they have the speakers set up in such a way where you have to be, you know, really right, either sitting or standing right at the edge to hear what's going on. Otherwise, you're just walking the show floor. So it's, it's super cool the way it's done, but it gives this kind of interconnected energy and, and liveliness to the event that I really, really loved. And so when we went through that, we started showing that design, and I'll, I'll step back in a minute to how we got there. But it was crazy because the moment that screen went up, there was about 60 cell phones held up taking pictures of the screen. Yeah, and including was, mine. Uh, including yeah, mine, you know, sure. it, was, uh, it was shocking, right? It kind of set me back, and then I had to regroup for a moment because it was, it was surprising. But um, then I kind of, like, took that energy and was, was thriving on that because I think people, to your point, were super excited, and, and our booth was absolutely slammed for, from then on uh, because it, it was so different. And, and really what we did... Um, you know, to your point earlier about, you know, you can start with a variety of, of starting points on, on software design. Well, product's been around a long time, right? And that's good and bad. It, it's good in the sense that it's proven. A lot of people have, have actually accomplished what they wanted to do. They're buying it again. So it's, it's getting the job done. And it does a lot because software gets built over years and years and, and it gets these capabilities that way. Brand new software doesn't typically do as much. Well, um, in that process, you do. You know, our product team spend a ton of time with customers understanding what's going on. I mean, Kurt Steinle, who's, who's running that product team right now, you know, he's on the road all the time. So all he does is talk to customers. So they're very familiar with that. But what we wanted to do was say, okay, well, let's, we have an opportunity here to actually step back and look at the market overall. And so we, we said, let's step back and think about PPM, where it's going, what's going on inside of companies, you know, things like Agile, things like this emerging, more lightweight project manager, someone who maybe isn't PMP certified. What are we doing for them? You know, what about this whole time thing and entering time? And people don't seem to love doing that. Is there something we can do to give them value back? And so we talked to, you know, 20 or 30 uh, large organizations, medium-sized organizations, some that used our product some that used a competitor. We did about 134, I believe, interviews where we'd go on site and we'd talk to people who were managing projects, large and small, talk to portfolio managers, talk to team members who enter time and, and work on tasks. 
And we just spent a lot of time trying to understand from them what they really do, what their challenges really are, apart from our software. You know, how do they get their job done every day? And that was the starting point for us, was that deep, deep customer understanding. So it's actually the opposite of not talking to customers. It's actually going incredibly deep, but not asking them to come up with the answer and say, oh, we really need this field to do A, B, or C, or we really need a feature that does these five things. Just asking them to help us understand their world and not outsourcing you know, our ideation, if you will, onto them. Taking that on us, that's our job to figure out the best way to solve it. It's what we do every day, but we need to absolutely understand them deeply. So we spent, uh, we spent about six months doing that work, Rick, trying to understand them. And as I understand it, you did that with uh, behavioral scientists. You, you know, really got out there and understood how people really interact with the tool. Almost kind of, again, as we're drawing this parallel with Steve Jobs, you, you did that as Apple kind of did with, with the phone. It's not so much, you know, what do you want to do, but how do you want to do it and how do you behave? Uh, Paul, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to let CA pay some of our bills real quick, and we're going to come back on the other side. We're talking to Paul Pedrazzi. Uh, this is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, Visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the work-life balance. And we're back. We are talking with Paul Pedrazzi. He's uh, in charge right now of redesigning, reworking uh, the um, service management and uh, CA PPM products uh, for CA Technologies. Uh, we were just talking about CA World, where he uh, was instrumental in launching kind of the new vision of both of these products. And I've had a chance to uh, put my hands on, on some of the changes. And, and if you want to see some of the changes that we're talking about, uh, as well as kind of see my take of that, uh, if you go to www.pmthatworks.com, I, I did a blog post. I, as a matter of fact, Paul, I was so excited that night. Uh, I did a blog post and posted the pictures I took with my cell phone and talked about how I thought this was an absolute game changer. It's absolutely going to revolutionize the industry, uh, knowing what I know of the products that are on the market as well as, as what, you know, obviously the back end and the power of what we can do with CAPPM. Uh, before I get you back started again, though, I did want to give a quick shout out. You know, that was your first CA world. And of course, that buzz yeah. was amazing and, and you were instrumental in that. But I also wanted to give a shout out to Lauren Flaherty. Um, you know, Three years ago, you were, you were saying it was it was perfect comment. You were saying, hey, you know, these guys weren't shoved off into a corner or that kind of stuff. But that's the way it used to be. Um, so when you did go to CA World before, uh, you actually did, you had to walk like almost a mile to, to, to hear some of the breakout sessions. And then to, to get to the floor, the showroom floor, you, you had to go, you know, another mile. And then when you were on the showroom floor, it seemed like CA was in one corner and the partners were in another corner. And there was one CA world where it felt like you never hit the product showroom floor at all. And then Lauren Flaherty came in and, and said, no, this, this isn't tenable. As a matter of fact, you know, even the products didn't seem to feel, feel together. So she's the one that really designed that hub and spoke wheel model where, you know, when you walk in, you know, first you have to get through the partners to get to the CA, then to get to the actual stage where you're hearing. So, you know, that whole buzz creation really did make a huge impact on the show. And I loved it because then you were just kind of in one area, the whole show, you know, once you got onto the floor, you were there that you didn't have to go anywhere else. So I thought that was very, very cool. And and a shout out to Lauren. I thought she did a fantastic job with the show. So coming back, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead, Rick. I'm just I'm just agreeing with you on that. I thought it was a, you know, I've been to, you know, a, t- a bunch of Oracle Open Worlds and at PeopleSoft we had PeopleSoft Connect and been at a few startups where we had smaller events and and it was world class. So uh, yeah, she's she's crushing it. I loved it. Yeah, she did a fantastic job. So coming back, so you you were on stage. You were just talking about that. We we hit you with the cell phones and disoriented you. You felt like a rock star. That that must be what it really feels like to be a rock star, right? On stage when they're all, you know, singing along to your lyrics and, and taking pictures of you while you're showing stuff. But um, talk a little bit about now, you know, some of those intrinsic changes and and um, you know some some of that. You know, we, we're talking about Hopper UI. We're talking about a lot of the other things and and really. You know, uh, the, there's there's a new intrinsic value that I, that I see that's coming out of this as well, is that more collaborative view, that ease of use, which is has been so needed. But it, it seems like a lot of the products that are on the market right now are, are either or. They're either super powerful, like a CAPPM, yeah. or they're so easy to use that they have no back-end, you know, processing power. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, that, that really is the balance we were trying to strike, which is, you know, we would, we would have a losing strategy if we said, hey, we're going to get rid of uh, all the power of PPM and just do something super simple. Like, we could do that in a month, 
Um, but then all the customers would say, I can't use this, right? It would just fail in the market. And so for us, we have to be able to not only have something that's easy to use, but that works for our customers. And so we wanted the power of PPM, but the simplicity that the users will love. And that really is what we tried to get. Now, enterprise software is an interesting space. What we're seeing in enterprise software is that people are now caring much more about that. I was just actually at a, a recent customer two days ago, and we're talking to them about the, the future of PPM and where we're headed and showing the, the new release. And, and in that conversation, we talked a lot about adoption. We talked a lot about simplicity. We talked a lot about elegance because that is the world that we live in now, and enterprise software didn't always live in that world. Oftentimes, the buyer was totally separate from the user. In fact, the buyer didn't really care. They would inflict their product on the user, and users were mandated to use something. Well, that's changed now. And we now have a much stronger voice of the user. People have, you think about your phone as an example. Well, you have apps on your phone used for business, and they're right next to those consumer apps. And oftentimes, in fact, most of the times, although enterprise is getting much better, the consumer experience is dramatically uh, more enjoyable. And when you move from between those, you, you cannot have a jarring experience. People won't accept it anymore. They won't use it. And so one of the things that we found was in PPM that that adoption, that usage, is actually super critical to get good data out. And that's, that's a large part of why people buy these systems is for good data. So, so what we did to kind of rethink that and make sure that we, we meet those two hurdles of, you know, the true power you're looking for and the simplicity people will love to use, what we did is we needed a different approach. And so we knew we couldn't start from, let's go ask our customers for a list of, of their top seven features. That's traditional project, product management. And that's fine. That works okay. But we knew if we wanted to really elevate and change the space, we had to do it differently. So we went out and did those interviews, did that ethnographic research, did, did almost what Jane Goodall would do going out and, and studying, right? We'd go on site in the natural environment and talk to people about what they do. Oh, you do that? You go over to Excel for that. Why do you do that? Oh, and they talk about why. Oh, I see you're using Microsoft Project for some deal. What, what is the reason you do that? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, and here's what you're doing in, P, in, in PPM, ours or someone else's. Great. Why do you do it that way? Uh, tell me about a time when this happened. What do you do when a resource gets pulled off a project? Have you ever had a situation where you were over budget and found out late? What did you do? We'll have those conversations. You'll notice it's always about their experiences that have really happened. We never go into, hey, what feature would you like here? Or wouldn't it be great if you had a Staples Magic Easy button that did A, B, or C? Right? Those are not going to be effective. That gets into the future asking them to guess, asking them to design. And they're just there to help us understand their world. And it's our job to do the design. So we did all that, and we learned a few big things across the industry. Um, one of the big, thing, big things was there is this emergence of this lightweight, if you will, project manager, someone who's maybe not working on the $8 million four-year um, project. They might be working on the three-month or the two-month or the $50,000, 20 tasks, five team members, and they're not PMP certified. They're not heavily trained, but they still got to get the job done, and the company still needs visibility. Well, these are more and more, and in fact, a lot of our customers who may start in IT that now want to branch out with PPM and use it in other groups have many people like that. 
And so this is where making something that is not just about a work breakdown structure, but that is about a team is important. Because when you talk to these people, I remember talking to a woman at Rico and talking to her about what she did all day. And when you hear her talk about it, it's all about relationships. She's talking to different team members. She's checking up on them. She's walking the halls. She's seeing how things are going, removing roadblocks, very relationship-based, very conversational-based. And you look at many of the PPM products and you say, well, these aren't aren't conversation-based. These aren't relationship-based. And so you have to think completely differently. And so that was a big insight for us was about how she actually got her job done. And we even asked one of the questions was, how do you know if a project is going off the rails, if it's going sideways. And her answer was interesting. She said, well, I know when people start bickering, when people stop being cordial. And that was her big insight. She didn't go to consult a Gantt chart to figure that out. She consulted people and how they talked to each other and how they acted and if they showed up on time to the meeting, things like that. And so that's why at the core of this redesign is the team. Because great project results begin with great teams. That's how it gets done. And so what we said was, well, what if we rethought this and focused it on the team and their conversation and made that completely low friction so they would be there using the tool? And so that's why you know, you'll see a, a very heavy focus on conversation and more of a, com- compelling is probably the wrong word, and more of an inviting experience, something that is more lightweight and friendly. You can still get to the power of PPM, but we don't put it up front. Right? We, we make sure that what you really need to do most of the time is obvious. You might need to create a project. You might need to complete a task and say it's done. You might need to ask a team member a question. These are the common things. And so we focus there. And that, that was the big mental shift for us. But we also saw, to my data point, that people are buying these tools for data, but oftentimes they're not all the way satisfied. Right? They're looking at it and saying, you know, we, we have the projects in here, but, but a lot of times, for example, things are all the way green and then they're red immediately. But we don't, yep. we don't really have a good sense as it's going along. We might have a team member who's worked on something for, you know, 50, they might have worked 55 hours this week and they put 40 in. So why is that? And so we knew uh, from, from products like Waze that the more people use something, the better it gets. So Waze, if, you, if you're not familiar, Waze is a GPS tool, much like a Garmin GPS you'd have in your car, works on your phone. But what it does is it's a, it's a collaborative or a crowdsourced GPS. So what people can do, if you have Waze on your phone and you're driving along and you see an accident on the side of the road, they have a big accident button. You hit that and it marks it and says, hey, this person saw an accident right here. Now everyone driving can see that. And they can actually say, yep, I confirmed it's still there 10 or 20 minutes later even. And so you immediately get much more accurate data. Imagine if once a month people went in and did that. The data would be terrible. That accident would be long gone. Well, that's what happens in a lot of PPM systems. You do the once a month status or the weekly time. If I go in and do time on Friday, I can't remember how many exact hours I spent on that task on Monday. So it's almost an impossible thing, and, and data isn't good, and, that, and for that reason, then reports are hampered. Decisions at the top level aren't as good as they can be. It's really a cascade. And so one of the things that we did on that front was we allowed a check-in model. So now on the task, when someone's working on this task, they can just check in right there and say, because I know if I work on a task and it was three hours, I know that day it was three hours. But again, end of the week, I'm not going to know that granularity anymore. So 
so you put it in right there. But all on the power of PPM. It's not a separate system. It's not something totally different. It's all in that same timesheet object, if you will. So, so Rick, that was, you know, some of the thinking was that that new process of not asking customers for solutions, but trying to understand their problem, and then figuring out there's a couple core challenges right now that systems aren't really conversation or relationship-based, but these people really are, so there's that friction there. There's that friction of people aren't using the system every day, so the data will never be great in that model. So we have to switch to something people will actually use. You know, that was a, a fundamentally, you know, a fundamental notion. So we had to get to those and from there, then we started a full design process. But but it was really that beginning that allowed us to get to where we are today. And that's fantastic insight. You know, um as a matter of fact, we're, we're coming up on a break, but when we come back from the other side of the break, I want to talk about why uh, it was it was so passionate for me and why I had to blog that night. Because when I saw the conversational base, um, as a true project manager and practicing project manager um, in, in a thought leader, so I you know I work with PMI. I'm part of the uh, the Leadership Institute Master's class and, and part of the the people that try to shape not only what PMI teaches but how we teach that to practicing project managers. And so what what most people do when they're writing an application is try to model it after the PMBOK, Project Management Body of Knowledge. But the practice of project management is completely different. And what I saw in your design and what I'm trying to teach is where our worlds collided. And, that, and that's where that passion came out that night. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris and Paul Pedrazzi. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? 
R Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. Welcome back to the show. This is the Work-Life Balance. We've been talking to Paul Pedrazzi, and Paul just was describing the whole design process as we were looking at the new version of CAPPM and said something that that struck a chord with me, and I, I want to spend a moment on it. Really around the conversation base, and, and what's amazing about uh, project management is, you know, most people look at project management as being very technical. But as you look at PMI and, and the project management body of knowledge, ninety percent of our job is communication, is building that relationship, is making sure that we're we're talking to that team. And I feel like that whole communication component has been left out in a lot of these tools. So when I saw the design. Uh, from Paul, and when I started to see that conversation piece, and not even, even that, there's a, a small piece you left out there, Paul. Of course, you can't, I mean, there's so much you've done, you can't cover it all. One of the things I saw that you were also doing were those little reminders, which I thought were mm-hmm. so cool. Hey, hey, did you know somebody was going on vacation in two weeks? Hey, did you know this task was completing in a week? You know, th- those little things, mm-hmm. which were so cool. Um, that That was the part that really got me excited because, you know, what, what project managers face all the time, one of the greatest things, their challenges is, first of all, you know, a lot of times when they receive the project, the date and the budget's already been set for them. And, and so they've got to learn how, to, from a relationship perspective, how to push back a little bit. And also, most project managers have received little or no training. Most of them were tapped on the shoulder and says, you know, you are now the a project manager, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. so they've never been trained in Microsoft Project. They've never been trained in a lot of these tools. They've had to figure it out. And I work in one of the few professions where anybody feels like they can do it. So there's no way a CFO walks out uh, of a, an office and, and says, hey, you know, I'm short accountants this, this month and I need somebody helping, you know, to close the books. Hey, you know high school math. I'll even give you some templates to fill out. Come help me close my books. It doesn't happen. But in every organization that I work with, they have too many projects, not enough project managers, so they feel like, hey, anybody can do project management, so they put them into this. And so they're ill-equipped to run these projects. And it's the same, even in these $50,000, $100,000 projects, it's the same as writing them a $100,000 check and saying, hey, go spend this how you want. And so Mm -hmm. having that oversight and having that ease of use has been paramount in these tools, and it's also why these tools have failed so much. And so if you listen to the R-squared commercial, and most of the, the people just heard it on the radio, even in my commercial, it is not the software that fails. It's the implementation and change management practices around the software that fails. And that's where R-squared consulting has been kind of that thought leader in helping that. 
but uh, that that was the interesting part. That was where where our worlds collided a little bit, and I saw that and, and was so pumped. That's why I feel it's so revolutionary, Paul. And, and and I just can't wait for people to see it. And I can't wait for spring when the first part comes out, and fall when the rest yeah. of it comes out, and get my hands on it. it. It can't come fast enough for me. Is all I can say. Yeah, no, that that's great to hear. Um, you know, that's the kind of reaction that you love to get when you when you build a product. You never know until you put it in front of people what the reaction is going to be. And, and I've had a lot of conversations like that, and it's it's been very gratifying because this is a team effort. And you know, you mentioned that design process. Well, started with our research, and then we had to move quickly into okay, what do we do with that? And that was incredibly collaborative. It was a team of product managers, marketing folks, engineers, designers. You know, we had, you know, five or ten people all the time in a room banging this stuff out and thinking about, you know, what is the real problem we're going we're gonna to try to tackle here first? And then what we would do is we'd do these design studios as a part of the process. We actually did two of them uh, for PPM at CA World and two for um, service management. And really what you do there is you focus on a specific problem that might be, let's say, staying on top of a project plan. And what you'll do is you'll work for a couple hours with, you know, a variety of groups and there's some timed drawing and sketching going on and then there's iteration where people share their ideas back and forth and that allows other people to build on those ideas and make them even better. And we ran four of those sessions at CA World um, in terms of thinking about product design. Over the course of three or four months, I think I ran 10 of them. And these are with, in fact, one was at the PPM New York user group. We spent an afternoon with them walking through, you know, how do we actually do this part of the process? And I believe that one was all about monitoring a project. So project's up and running. We're not going to worry yet today about how you begin a project or how you close it out, but it's running. So what are all the things that come up? And we would work as a team. There was about 50 customers there. And we had a great discussion, tons of sketches, tons of whiteboarding. And all of that really going wide in terms of ideas and including a rich, diverse set of people. That is the way you do good design, right? Good design is not a lone person sitting on their own having a eureka moment. You know, if you look at the history of innovation, it's never that, right? What it always is is a group of people with a bunch of different skills passionately working on something together. Uh, Oftentimes it does require as well a charismatic leader, someone like a Steve Jobs, but not always, right? That person is just one piece. It's more important to have that diverse group all working together uh, from different backgrounds, different experiences, different things they care about, which is why when we bring in two or three customers, when we bring in someone from our sales group, and they care about different things than someone in the marketing team or in the field. So we'll, we'll do all of that and make sure that we go very, very wide. And then once we do, we'll see a few nuggets. They may be rough and hazy and in the distance, but we'll start tuning those. We'll bring them in. We'll polish them. And over then months and months, we'll get to something that we think actually works. And once we do, once we think we've got pretty close, we're still not done. What we do then is we do an agile development process where each week we do a retrospective. Customers are willing, uh, if they're willing, they're welcome to come into that meeting every week and see the demo of what was built that week and get feedback. Because even though we may think we have a great design, until it collides with the world, you never really know. And I can tell you from experience, you always find out when real people who are going to use it see it, 
you're always amazed. They see it differently. The terminology doesn't exactly work. Maybe their, their mental model of their workflow is slightly different than what you were thinking, and then you refine from there. So we're, we're probably 70% right, but with the Azure model that we're pursuing, every week it's going to get closer and closer, and by that release date, I think we'll be there. But, man, it is, it is not one person off in a room doing brilliant design. Right? We all like to imagine that Steve Jobs coming down at, at the time of Apple's heyday when he was around, and, and I, I definitely miss kind of his influence on the Valley. But, you know, it's not that, right? It's the team of people working hard in the shadows in many times. And so I want to give credit to all the customers that were involved. In fact, there were many at CA World, and you could see them beaming because they, they were a part of that process. And that was, you know, that was critical, as well as, you know, the team of 20 or 30 inside CA that all came together to make this happen. So it was, a, it was really a fun process, very gratifying to be a part of it, Rick. Sure. And you're right. And Steve needs his Wozniak every once in a while, right? Yeah, so there they, you can, go. they can argue, argue about their slots in the, in, in the, in the PC. So, yeah, and, and, and for, from a credit perspective, from CA's uh, perspective, for sure, they, um, you know, the, the one thing I was surprised to, to hear was, you know, you guys have more on your development team than, you know, some of these, these competitive organizations have in, in their entire staff. So that is definitely a, an ode to, you know, wanting to make it right and wanting to do mm-hmm. it right. So that, that's, that's definitely a luxury, right? That, that's a nice thing to have when, when you also have the resources that you can rely on to, to make some of these changes. But, uh, you know, so some of the things that, that I'm seeing come out of that, one of the... You, when I was, so I, I was a customer first, right? I, I was at, at Xerox. I bought Iniku to Iniku, Iniku. Let me say it, right? It's all of a sudden Friday and I can't speak. Hey, I'm on the radio. Um, so uh, Iniku 2.0. Uh, and I was trying to manage resources uh, uh, across the nation. I was trying to figure out, you know, I had people here in, in California and I needed to get them in New York and try to find the right skill sets and all that stuff. And this was a prototype. And this is before anybody was trying to do anything over the Internet. Right. This is this was brand new uh, technology, and uh, so you know I've been with the tool since then. And, and you know what I've always enjoyed was the back end, how well the the architecture of CAPPM was in the back end, how how easily I could I could morph it into my own tool. Right. So attributes, all the other things uh, that make it ours, but. Uh, Wow, when when we see this new front end piece to it, and again, anybody that that continues to hear us talk about it, if you want to go see some of these screenshots that that were thrown out there, uh, you can go to www.pmthatworks.com uh, and find my blog that uh, that I was talking about it. Uh, I threw a lot of the pictures out there. Uh, I don't know if I was allowed to, but I did anyway, Paul. It's out there. People can go see it. They can go look at it and uh, and fall in love with the design as well. Um, we're we're coming up on break again. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you totally switch gears when we come back. Uh, you know, this is the work life balance. Uh, we're family people, Paul. I think we both are, uh, and I'm fascinated about the story that you know you've got a company, uh, and, and we'll give them a, a quick teaser. But you've got a company uh, that that was inspired by your daughters, uh, and that uh, you started with your wife. Am I correct? Exactly right, Rick. I, I love to tell that story when we come back. All right, perfect. So we're going to hear that story on the other side. The uh, company's called Yubo, and uh, it is now a, a fan favorite of several celebrities around the world. And uh, uh, you want to talk about – so you're talking about people that – there's not people that just sit there and design, but I'd love to get into your mind one day, Paul, because uh, I believe you guys just took a, a look at the average lunchbox and had an idea 
and now have a company with your family. We'll tell that story on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, Turn left ahead. the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. Welcome back. We're on our final segment of the Work-Life Balance with the amazing Paul Pedrazzi. I've had so much fun. You know, the the time has flown, Paul, and that's how I know I've had fun. And uh, I wanted to, uh, since this is the work-life balance and, you know, you've got multiple companies, I wanted to spend some time about a little bit of your family company. And so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Ubo. Uh, you know, you take a look at a lunchbox and have turned that into a full-fledging uh, company. Uh, and in fact, we just shared that uh, I was a customer as well. So tell us a little bit about Ubo. Yeah, it's a crazy story, Rick. You know, um, back when Al Gore did Inconvenient Truth, so uh, I was basically, I think I was working in Oracle at the time, uh, and Oracle's local, you know, it's a five-minute drive to my house, so I got to see my kids every morning and make lunches and get them off. Uh, got two wonderful daughters, 9 and 11, and um, got to do that, and of course, I'd seen them home for dinner, and that family uh, was a big deal and still is a big deal to me. 
And so I was watching that movie, and I, you know, kind of became enamored with uh, the the global warming story that he was telling. And literally the next day, I went out and sold my Jeep and bought a Prius, uh, which I don't drive anymore, but I did drive it for a number of years, and great car. And so I got super fired up, and at the time, I was making lunches, I'd mentioned, and I was using six Ziploc bags every day, and I said, you know, this is, um, this is terrible. This is not good for the environment. Got to be a better way, and that's, that's oftentimes the way things start. And so I started talking to my wife about it, and she's entrepreneurial as well. And in that conversation, she says, and you know what? What else is the problem is that those vinyl ones get gross with the crumbs in the corner, and if you try to clean them, they get waterlogged, and you have to throw them away, and you buy two or three a year. And, and also, the kids at school, you know, they all have the same one. Everyone's got the door, the Explorer, or whatever character it is right now. And, you know, what if you could personalize it and put your own photos on there or put your own kids' artwork on there? Um, and so that really started it was we started to get excited about this idea. And so we put together some thoughts, started to do some sketching, and ended up partnering with a firm called Whipsaw, which is an industrial design firm run by Dan Harden out of San Jose. Great firm. They've done some incredible products. Eton radios, Nike fuel band, just awesome stuff. And, um, and they're world class. So we formed this company together, and we spent about a year and a half going wide on design, as I just mentioned, trying all different kinds of things. And we ended up on the bento box model, which wasn't as popular back in the day. Now it's very popular. In fact, now it's come so far where you go into Target and you can buy these bento containers from Rubbermaid and others. But really what we, what we keyed in on was a few different things. One was the easy to clean. So Yubo basically comes apart, goes in the dishwasher. So super easy to clean so it doesn't get gross. In fact, our, our girls uh, used them for four years straight, same ones. So that was, that was great to see, and uh, that was one of the big things. The next piece of it was that idea that it could be good for the environment, so we wanted to not have you know, all of these Ziplocs, so we have these pre-made containers that, that fit perfectly. Um, and we have those all over our house, and our friends actually come by and, and steal them because they're, they're just cool little containers to use for a bunch of snacks on the road and things like that. And, um, and then that last of personalization, you know, allowing, you know, the child to express who they are a little bit. And then as they get, you know, three months into the year, six months into the year, or a new year comes and they say, I don't care about Dora anymore. Now I care about, you know, Elsa and Frozen, that they can go ahead and put that on there. And they don't have to throw away and buy a whole new lunchbox. They can just change the cover, what we call a faceplate. And so that's how it was all born was that type of thinking. And uh, we've run it now gosh, that might be six years now that, uh, that we've been running. My wife runs it full time. You know, I help out on nights and weekends with, you know, the website and some fulfillment stuff, but she really is uh, the heart and soul of that business. She's been running it uh, on her own, really, kind of like being the sole champion, doing all of, the, all of the marketing, all of the sales, everything. And she does it full time and she loves it and it gives her, uh, you know, the, the ability to, to uh, own her own destiny, if you will, and, and still be the kind of mom she wants to be. So it's been a fantastic ride. Definitely anyone that wants to check it out can check it out at getyubo.com, G-E-T-Y-U-B-O.com. But it's, uh, it's been a labor of love for us. You guys did get a little notoriety with it. We don't like to talk about it too much, but you did get the appearance. Uh, got to get on television with the uh, product as well, did you not? 
Uh, you know, I, I, funny that was a that was a huge deal for us, right? So the Shark Tank show, if you haven't seen that show, uh, it started out as Dragons Den up in Canada, and now it's called Shark Tank for down here for the U.S. folks, and I believe it's going global. But it's a, a group of investors and people come in and do pitches. I think on the show there's seven to ten minutes for a pitch, and you pitch your idea and they invest right on the spot. And and what's amazing is uh, it's actually you know real. Like these guys don't have a bunch of advanced information. So what you see is what you get, and it's a, it's a true firing line. So it was one of those experiences. And by the way, we were, we were funded by um, Robert Hershevik and Mr. Wonderful, so we ended up getting a deal with both of them, and it was uh, super fun. Our kids got to go out there and be a part of it, and you know, if you don't know, I didn't know any of how TV worked, but apparently you know, they get paid for being on there as actors effectively. So our, our kids were on our intro, and... They ended up getting a, a paycheck for being an actor on the show. I think whatever <laughs> oh, the minimum awesome. SAG rate is, and it's now in a kind of in a lockbox for them until they're eighteen. There's a bunch of rules around that, but they uh, they got to be a part of it. And it's, for for us, you know, it was just a wonderful thing. When I got done with that, I said, man, I would not have wanted to do it with anyone else. You know, husband and wife going out there, it's a very high-stress environment. And to go through that together and to come out um, with a successful outcome, it was just fantastic. So uh, we had a great time. It was, it was a wonderful experience. I will tell you, Paul, you, so I'm a huge fan. I've seen every episode. And, uh, you know, so they're throwing you down. They're throwing you on the spot. Uh, Lori's putting some pressure. Lori Grenier's throwing some pressure on you. And at the last second, you go, hey, so do you guys want to team up? And, and mm-hmm. that's how you get the deal with the two of them. What a wonderful question. What a, what a wonderful uh, uh, reaction to pressure. Uh, and then you end up getting two sharks. So that, I, was, I was very impressed with your, uh, with your grace under fire and, and your, your business dealings there. It, it said a lot about you as well. Well, you know, Rick, it was, um, if you watch the show like you do, and we were huge, huge fans up until airing as well, we watched, we watched everything, you know, you get a sense of what they ask, right? There's always the common questions about, you know, what's your revenue? Are you profitable? How, you know, how much does it cost you to make? All those kind of things. And so we did our homework and we made sure we were prepared. I was actually most impressed with my wife. She just absolutely killed it out there. Uh, and, and it was just, it was super fun. And you're right, at the end there, asking for them to team up worked out very well for us. We wanted to get, you know, both networks. It's, I think that started to become a more common play now. I see it sure. very, very often on the show. But it was, it was fun. It was a really fun ride. Well, Paul, listen, I, I have had a fantastic time. Again, time has flown by. I think I could have filled uh, four hours with you. Uh, but I certainly appreciate everything you've done for the product. Super excited to see what's going on. Hopefully, you know, maybe I can have you back once, uh, once we launch, uh, maybe spring or fall, and, and talk about some of the reactions that we get. Uh, but we've had a fantastic time having you here, and, and I, I can't thank you enough uh, uh, taking your busy time uh, being part of the work-life balance. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, for thank everybody you, else, uh, thank you, buddy. Uh, for everybody else, uh, next week uh, we're going to have a, a really fun show. Uh, the the January 29th show. I'm going to have one of my mentors on uh, Don Delashaw, and uh, we're going to take a slightly different take. Uh, Don and I have been friends for a long time. I actually worked for him uh, for several years. Worked with him for several years. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, being parents, uh, but raising our children as project managers and what what's worked and what hasn't worked. Uh, and, and how our kids are smarter than we are. And uh, we're going to try to have some fun with that when we talk about the work-life balance. So not so much of a serious show next week. A lot more fun, lot, a lot of humor. 
Um, I can't thank Paul enough uh, for the contributions he's made. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see my revenue grow in the next year as a partner to CE because I know how successful this product launch is going to be. And uh, so excited to see everything again. Uh, please uh, visit uh, getubo.com. Uh, check that out. And as well as see uh, Paul Pedrazzi's work, you can uh, visit CA Technologies or rewrite.ca.com. Uh, visit rsquareconsulting.com as well to uh, see how CAPPM can affect your future and how we can impact your business with one of these most phenomenal tools that Paul is helping redesign and, and really bring to the forefront. We appreciate everyone listening. We'll see you next time on the Work-Life Balance. This is Rick Morris. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 